Welcome to another episode of We Are Carbon. I'm Helen Fisher and I'm joined by Duncan Catchpole, founder of the Cambridge Food Hub and author of Local Food Ecosystems, a book which covers much of the thinking behind the hub's work. There are so many incredible examples of people regenerating soil and ecosystems out there. People working in harmony with the land to bring benefits to the climate, food resilience and nutrition to name a few. But with agriculture being a cornerstone of our economic models, to be able to fully support those who are thinking sustainably in the field, we need to also think sustainably about the entire network that they tie into. It's been a huge pleasure, therefore, to have this opportunity to speak with Duncan about the steps that they've been taking to join the dots within a food supply chain in an entirely new way, in and around this small hub within the east of England. Their vision is a better food system, one which supports people and planet, and in particular, is there to support a diversity of local food producers, whose success is central to making the whole vision possible. It is a realisation of regenerative principles, including circularity and interconnectivity, being put into practice to coordinate food supply in a far more forward-thinking model. There's elements within this that I think could be of huge inspiration and relevance to other locations and sectors, so I hope you'll pick up some ideas to mull over. There's links to related episodes and further info recommended by Duncan in the description. New episodes of this podcast are added every other Tuesday. You can find them on YouTube and your favourite podcasting platforms, so don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date. Right, let's get stuck in. Hi Duncan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Would you like to kick us off with just a quick introduction to yourself and also how you became interested in this concept of local food ecosystems? Certainly, yeah. So yeah, my my name is Duncan Catchpole. Um, I'm the founder and owner of um, the Cambridge Organic Food Company, which um, which is a, a Cambridge-based organic vegetable box scheme. So we, we deliver around about uh, a, a thousand veg boxes each week, um, and uh, and predominantly these boxes are filled with produce which has come directly from farms which are local to Cambridge. Um, but also, in, a, in addition to that, uh, another aspect of our business is Cambridge Food Hub, which is more of a, a business to business um, food supply chain coordination enterprise. Um, and in, in that, we're particularly putting a new concept in um, local food supply chain coordination in practice uh, in this concept with uh, called the local food ecosystem and uh, and on the back of that I've actually in fact I've got a copyright here I have written a book on the subject called local food ecosystems um, how food hubs can help create a more sustainable food system so you also asked in there sort of what got me into it and well what what really so so the Cambridge Organic Food Company has been trading for twenty five years now. Uh, what originally got me into that was actually through my father. Um, my father had uh, uh, ran a, an organic apple orchard in uh, in, in Suffolk. Um, that's where I, I sort of grown up around that. And then at the time when I was going away to college this was just at the time when the, the very first sort of box schemes were, were starting to uh, sort of prop up in the country so yeah it was, it was through through that connection really that i got started in this business um but with regards to how i got interested in local food ecosystems um i was largely influenced by um a book a book which is called harmony a new way of looking at the world, and this talks about um, what are known as principles of harmony, um, which might also be described as a, an observation of the laws of nature of the way things work, work in natural ecosystems. So, so that really got me thinking about um, you know how how these principles, which in some ways are the antithesis of the way they're sort of the incumbent 
uh, sort of economic paradigm work, which is very much a, a linear um, process. Um, but yeah, how these sort of principles of harmony, which are um, much more circular in their nature and sort of based on principles such as um, wholeness, interconnectivity, diversity, adaptation, etc. You know, the way things work in a natural ecosystem. Um, so, yeah, so I really set about thinking, you know, how might these principles be applied to the thing which I know best, which is, is food distribution. Um, and yeah, so hence coming up with the concept of the local food ecosystem. That's really wonderful. We've actually had Richard Dunn on the show, um, who takes those principles in, in a sort of different context and does education for particularly for, yes. for young children. So yeah. I think it's so beautiful how there's an intertwining of the, the mindset and how that those principles can go through different areas of our lives. Yeah, I say re really those principles should apply to every, or should and could apply to everything if only sort of people um sort of uh that that way inclined and sort of want to actually sit down and think okay how, how might i apply this to textiles or banking or well whatever <laughs> whatever sort of thing serves um the, the human race Let, let's try and apply principles of harmony to that absolutely yeah, yeah, fantastic. And predominantly with the work that you're doing with Cambridge Organic, that's more of a distribution focus for yourself. Has it always been that way or do you have a background in growing? Um, is that more what your father has sort of influenced? A little bit. I, I, through the connection with the orchards, um, obviously I've, I've grown up picking apples, you know, uh, remember as a, as a teenager, Quite often, I'd get some of my schoolmates, and we'd pick apples in the morning, and then we'd be given a bit of money for doing that, and we'd go off um, spending it in the afternoon. So those those were sort of good days. That's how that was sort of summer holidays as a teenager. But then there was one one year in particular where um, I actually took over management of the orchard myself, um, and I tell you what, I never worked as hard for so little money um <laughs> uh, sort of ever really so so that that experience was fantastic it was it was it was an absolute pleasure because I, I did it with my dad as well who's um who's since, since sort of passed away so he's no longer with us so i'm really thankful for that year of sort of doing it with him and sort of really getting close to nature and and really getting some hands-on experience of food production. But the greatest learning experience from that is just how much hard work it takes to produce food. And I gained an awful lot of respect for anybody that runs um, sort of food production enterprise. So, so, you know, real hats off to anyone who's involved in farming and food production, really, because these guys work incredibly hard but really very little return. That's an incredibly good point because we can take it for granted just where that food comes from. It's there on the shelf in the supermarket and you just sort of, the, the mindset of people going shopping is how can I have that conveniently? How can I have it for the best cost? But the journey of it that it's gone through and the number of hands being involved in the farming of that food and getting it to that shelf it's 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 uh it's an awful lot of work as you said and uh it, it's a very detached process for for many people so i think there's an aspect of that in what you're doing with the food ecosystems that's connecting people back to the production of food even though they might be detached from that in their um, careers and their life and their jobs but but actually seeing where my food comes from, taking an interest in whether that's having an impact on the environment in a good way or a bad way. Um, so I think it would be really fantastic if you could, in your own sort of view of it, offer us an explanation of what is a local food ecosystem? How does it differentiate and um, encompass the principles of harmony? Certainly, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to. Um, so... 
the, the word ecosystem was very, very specifically chosen to describe this concept because, as I say, we, we talk about the principles of, of uh, harmony and, you know, that's a, uh, an observation of the, or a reflection of the, the laws of nature in practice. So, uh, so, so every area will already have what I'd describe as a, a local food network. So there, there, any sort of city or region that you go to, there are food producers and there are sort of independent shops, restaurants, food processing businesses, etc. So that, that's what I would describe as a local food network. What, what really sort of differentiates that from a local food ecosystem is the way that those enterprises sort of interact with one another. Um, I, I'd, I'd really sort of set my stall out and say, I don't think there's really an example of what I, a working example of what I describe as a local food ecosystem yet. So you're, you're kind of describing something that doesn't really exist, but um, what, what, you, what, you're, what would differentiate a, a local food network from a local food ecosystem really will be um, something about scale and not just scale in terms of the number of enterprises that are involved in that um, system, but also the number of interactions which, um, which happen between them. Um, and I'd hope that all sort of operators within this ecosystem would prioritize trading with one another before they would, would sort of, uh, you know, over, over longer distances. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of come back a little bit and sort of say, you know, what is the purpose of the food hub? Uh, uh, sort of the role of the food hub within all this, and I, I'd say that the role of a, the the role of the food hub is to uh, is to create a vibrant local food economy. That's that's our that's, that's the end goal. That's what you're trying to achieve, and then the the food hub's role is really to facilitate that. Um, but yeah, as I say, a a vibrant local food economy would be characterised by an abundance of um, sort of small-scale local food producers, that's market gardeners, um, yeah, sort of farmers, both sort of large-scale and small, um, you know, artisanal food processing businesses, um, independent shops that are sort of specialising in or, or, you know, are, are stocking locally produced um, sort of foods and locally processed foods as well, and, and restaurants likewise that are so we'll, we'll specialise in putting local produce onto their menus, and uh, and then and then trying to make the as say as many sort of interactions as possible. So if you've got a if you've got a farm somewhere local that's uh, I don't know growing carrots, you know we want to see those carrots in all of those independent shops, and we want to see you know the restaurants buying them, and we want to see you know a, perhaps a uh, sort of a local processing business that's making uh, carrot soup, um, but then selling that carrot soup to the same independent shop. So that's where I say we get these sort of multitudes of, um, of of interactions happening. So when you when you're kind of building these closer connections between the producers and the consumers and making those within a very localized area, it, it gives incredible opportunities for circularity and for sort of making relationships that tie in waste into into the the processing and the movement and I know that there's something that has sort of come out in in the in what you're doing like these green coffee shop schemes that I'd, I'd love if you could uh, explain a little about what they are and how they've evolved. So yeah so back in uh, 2019 which is when the Cambridge Food Hub um, first became operational, we, we kicked off with something that we call the Green Coffee Shop Scheme, which is uh, a lovely little sort of exemplar of the local food ecosystem concept in operation. So what's happening in the Green Coffee Shop Scheme is we, we are delivering products to local coffee shops, um, most notably an organic barista-style oat milk. Um, but then when we're at the coffee shops, making that delivery, 
will also collect the used coffee grounds. We then, uh, we then take the coffee grounds over to a, a recycling center um, where they get turned into coffee logs. Actually, I'm, I'm this is slightly slightly old news now because sadly the, uh, the, the the coffee log recycling center has, uh, has sadly ceased trading. <laughs> but for the purpose of the, the the illustration, I'll pretend they're still going. So so we take we take them over to this recycling center. They get turned into coffee logs, and then of course while our, our van is there, having unloaded the coffee grounds, we then load up with the coffee logs and we bring them back to the food hub, uh, where they're one of the products that we then distribute so what's going on there is that by you know by when you're visiting a, a location you're not only delivering products but you're looking for opportunities to collect something at the same time so this is a circularity principle so um so so we're being uber efficient with our use of vehicles and we've eliminated inefficient empty van miles. But the significance of the scheme goes much further than that. You see, the point is those coffee grounds are valueless. The recycling center doesn't pay anything for them. It simply offers a place where they can be dumped for free. So it wouldn't be economically viable to just go around the coffee shops, collecting the coffee grounds and taking them over to the recycling center. However, by implementing this particular technique in supply chain coordination, we're able to ensure that that recyclable resource can very efficiently reach a destination where it's valued. And this same concept can be applied to sort of other recyclable resources such as donated surplus food or uh, return or reusable packaging schemes, both of which are indeed activities that we engage in. Now, the point at which the green coffee shop scheme starts to um, I, I hopefully give a glimpse of the, the wider local food ecosystem concept is that um, within a very short space of time, we were, had tremendous success with the green coffee shop scheme. And in fact, we were collecting around a ton of coffee grounds every week. And at this point, it was possible for us to start dividing the hall. So half would go to the recycling center and the other half would go to a local organic farm who would use it for compost. And of course, our van would come back from that delivery filled with organic vegetables. Um, so now that that scheme has expanded beyond oat milk, coffee grounds and coffee logs to include compostable material and organic vegetables, this is where you can hopefully begin to glimpse the enormous potential of the local food ecosystem concept because that that nexus of local food enterprises grows and you start to imagine all of the little interrelationships um, that can happen and all of the different sort of products and other resources, including recyclable goods, can be very efficiently exchanged within them. And of course, by, um, by structuring your supply chain like this, you're, you're, you're able to do an awful lot of, um, you're, you're, you're able to do things a lot more efficiently and more importantly, cost effectively. So some of, the, some of the costs that you're cutting out by doing things this way are transportation costs because you're no longer transporting goods over vast distances. Um, you are eliminating wastage costs and you're in, uh, eliminating sort of the, the costs um, for sort of profit margins that are added by intermediaries along a lengthy supply chain um, so yeah so that in a in a nutshell is the local food ecosystem concept <laughs> that's beautiful it's it's such a like you say it's so expansive it's like um, so many potential connections and avenues and I imagine that so much of this is about people having conversations and realizing that oh that's that's something that um i could add as a offering to my business or perhaps tie in in another way and i i think that there's so much of this that underlies the the power of simplicity because none of it's really um rocket science but it's incredible that that sort of volume of of coffee waste uh, that you're talking about, it, that is that is huge. And to be able to then utilize that locally for fuel, you, you kind of can start to see the impact. It's not just 
reducing that waste, it's actually reducing the need for, for other sources of fuel. So that mm. you can you can go off in all directions on this. Like you said, it's sort of it's a bit of a um it's a bit of a big, a big picture, so it's very useful to have that as an example to sort of hone us in on. Um, the idea of being organic and sustainable with food, do you think they're interlinked to the, the local food system? Do you think that the, the way that food is produced is something that becomes more recognised and more um, identified by the consumer in this sort of shorter supply chain? Yeah, so I mean, th- th- this 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 really is is the, the the big one, really, isn't it? It's the it's the the future sustainability of our food system, and and the the way that most food is produced at the moment um, is inherently unsustainable. Uh, you know, we, we we talked before about sort of uh, linear uh, a linear economy, and yeah, the the, the the linear economy basically um, is, you know, begins with the exploitation of a of a, of a resource, um, be it um, sort of soil, um, human labour, um, sort of forestry, mi- mining, <laughs> sort of minerals, and what, what have you. So, um, so it, be- it begins with the, the exploitation of a resource the adding of value to it um, and then at the, the end of that that chain that there's some sort of waste uh, waste goods that you know have to go somewhere um, and this is all well and good provided you've got uh, unlimited resource to exploit at the beginning and an unlimited sort of world capacity um, to, to, to deal with the, the waste but of course you have neither of these things so we have to we have to sort of rethink the way our economy is structured in order to recognize that we live in a, a finite planet um as a beautiful planet and we, we've got to look after it because it's our home so um so yeah so you you said you talked about sort of organic and, and you know organic food production is is, is much more sustainable it's, it's much more based about sort of looking after that soil because it, you know, a, a, a well-managed, you know, the soil itself is its own ecosystem. It's 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 beautiful stuff. It will continue to produce food, in you know, forever if it's managed well. Um, but you know, but if you're continually, um, you know, basically destroying the biodiversity that exists within the soil by continually adding pesticides and herbicides. Um, and and sort of farming it intensively so that soil sort of erodes away, um, then, you know, there, there are only sort of so many harvests left. There's only sort of so, there's only so much of that that our soils can bear. So, we're, you know, there's a, an ever-increasing sort of, pop, you know, population, world population, um, and making sure that we're able to produce to feed that population sustainably sort of several generations into the future or you'd say indefinitely into the future it really is of paramount importance to our species basically yeah it's it's just such a huge topic and there's so many wonderful things going on around the world in different systems that are rebuilding soil increasing the diversity of the soil and ensuring that that can be regenerated and then providing highly nutritious sustainable food for the future but there there is this um essential link in between of those projects those farms producing this wonderful food and the consumer making those decisions that that's what they're going to purchase to put on their table. I think this is a it's a it's a really interesting area of, of discussion that I can kind of anticipate the work that you're doing with the ecosystems. It, it, it adds a potential solution or a part of that solution that's connecting the consumer to where the food comes from 
in a way that you don't have to sort of go and lecture them and say this this is better for you but you're actually just giving them that convenience and building that into the routine of this is what's available and it happens to also be really fantastic for you really fantastic for the planet do you consider that the the way that the ecosystem works it seems to have a wonderful potential for businesses to diversify or like you've you've talked about the utilization of the vehicles for you know no no wasted journeys no empty vans and that sort of scrapes back a little bit of the um, expenditure do you feel like all of this tied in together can be a good deal for the consumer if they're looking to support a smaller farm it may be that there's um, a higher cost but that, that it can be brought down a little bit like that economic factor can make this equally affordable for the consumer yeah so to, to come back to something that i said before um you know running a small and i've, I've been up and down the country running a small food enterprise is hard it's incredibly hard um not only not only is it hard work it's really hard you know to make it financially viable. Um, and, you know, the fact that we have any small food enterprises at all these days is really just testimony to those sort of, those individuals who just want to do things the right way and who sort of roll their sleeves up and they're sort of prepared to sort of work in a highly principled way and sort of forego the kind of, financial comfort that sort of most most uh, you know a lot of people sort of take take for granted um so so what what the what the food hub and the local food ecosystem is about I, i'm i'm very much one for what i call appropriate pricing of food so we have to be aware and we're becoming more and more um aware of this because you know food prices have like like this We've, we've become accustomed to sort of artificially low cost of food. Um, and, and yeah, so, so, we're, we're, so what we're not all about is trying to make sort of local, you know, really good, high value, good quality local food cheap. Um, you know, because as soon as you start doing that, it becomes a race to the bottom. You're talking about the commodification of our food, and that's not what we're all about. Um, what what we are trying to do by, by sort of doing things more efficiently, and as I say, you know, addressing those costs like, uh, you know, transportation costs, you know, profit margins along sort of lengthy supply chains, high wastage. You know, that, those, those are good costs to be cutting out of our food system. And hopefully by doing that and, and, and enabling sort of more efficient trade between local food enterprises, you are at least able to bring um, sort of good quality, sustainably and locally produced food within a more acceptable tolerance of um, intensively produced food. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's it's a complex question because like you've pointed out, we are used to food being too cheap. And it's difficult to say that when people are struggling and with, with so many increasing costs, um, we have to ensure that everybody can have those basic needs met. But when we look at the percentage of, of what people spend on food versus other things in their life, and then we look at how that money is being utilised to support all the middlemen but not actually making it profitable for the farmer that that leaves a, a huge number of um questions and problems that that need rebalancing and so yeah there, there's no there's there's certainly no we, sh we shouldn't be seeking cheap food um by any means but there's there's something i think about the resilience that that a more localized system can offer that perhaps if we we fast forwarded and looked to the future, we'd have like the conventional, highly industrialized food, kind of like this on the shelf. The price would be shooting up some months like we see. Um, we might call it cheap, but it's going to be very unpredictable. Whereas what is more sustainably produced can offer 
a little bit more of a consistent price. It might be um, higher, but I think there's there's a potential there for um, less unknowns in in the the, the production and the the longevity of of that that viewpoint. If, if I can sort of add, add another point on that, you know, when we talk about sort of this cheap food, um, you know, it really is artificially cheap. I think what a lot of people don't recognize or understand is that there are a huge number of externalized costs that are associated with that cheap food um you know that that gets well so some of it is covered um you know through our sort of taxation and you know the money that we have to pay to water companies to you know clean nitrates out of the water system etc etc but um so some of it is also just costs that aren't being met by anybody at the moment. So, you know, when we talked about sort of exploitation of soils and the sort of destruction of the biodiversity, you know, if you if you could put a, a commercial value on, you know, all the sort of microflora and fauna that's within the soil and can allow you to produce, you know, food indefinitely in a well-managed soil, you know, that, that there is no sort of pound, shilling and pence value that you put on that, but it is incredibly incredibly valuable and you know by by sort of by exploiting and destroying that soil microflora and fauna in order to produce cheap food you know it's you know there's a massive externalized cost there that nobody's actually picking up so uh this this is why this is why sort of i much of the local food ecosystem is is as much about trying to sort of showcase alternative economic models not it's not just about um you know or how we get food around a bit more efficiently it's actually saying how do we look at the wider economy and and look for pointers as to how we're going to structure things better in the future yeah and i, I another sort of final thing that i i kind of want to say is you know our our, our box game and the and the food hub we address a vanishingly small proportion of the population. Yeah, I've I, I long sort of given up any sort of notion of, you know, trying to, you know, be the, you know, this is this is this is this is the way. This is going to be how all food things is that is from now on. But uh, I, I think the importance of what we're trying to do is just to at least sort of, well, it's to try really, it's to try something new and, and sort of. Uh, maybe showcase something that does work a little bit more efficiently which is a bit more um sort of environmentally friendly etc um so so that's that's really what we're out to achieve is, is just uh, is just innovate and uh yeah just try it out basically yeah you're giving people an option and i think yeah. that there's something very inspiring about that that um, it doesn't have to be for everybody, but it's it's having having a choice that people can can take that in, instead of the other. How mm. long have you been doing the the distribution in this way, the local ecosystems? How long have you been doing that? And have you noticed that there's any any shift in innovation in the type of produce that's produced locally or the type of farm size that you've got or is it more to do with the other opportunities like the the coffee waste and the deliveries that you've seen the innovation so we, we've been the food hub's been operational since 2019 so and in fact it was i think it was july 2019 when we first started so we, we've, we've come we've come up to our like our fourth anniversary of um food hub operations um innovations in the types of of foods that are being produced um i mean I, i'm i'm not sure if we've necessarily seen any innovations that i could like directly attribute to the food hub being there i think what the food hub has brought um is is like a, a maybe a small step towards better viability for, for smaller scale businesses and that that's i say that's really what i'm all about every time i sort of visit a, a new market gardener or a food startup 
um, you know, I see a little bit of myself from 20 years ago and, and also, as I say, through my experiences of running the orchard, just have like an, an enormous amount of respect for anybody that sort of goes down that route. So, so yeah, it, it, it really is my passion. I, I, I sort of see someone that's starting out on their sort of like food producing journey and like, I like just so desperately want them to be able to make a go of it. And if there's anything that the food hub can do to sort of make things a little bit easier for them, then that, that yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm all about. But, um, but yeah, there, there's, there's, yeah, there's really nothing that excites me more than meeting uh, a new food producer. I, I just literally, um, just literally last week came across a, a, a new, a couple who'd started up a, a mushroom producing business. They're growing, well, they, they, they introduced me to, to some varieties of mushroom that I hadn't even come, come across before, but they're, they're, beautiful they, they've, they've done so much research they've, they've really sort of got their got their techniques down to a T and they're, they're, the quality of the mushrooms that they're producing is is exceptional and uh, and yeah they're, they're sort of most certainly going to start marketing their mushrooms through uh, through the Cambridge Food Hub and you know I'm just, I'm just so so excited about it. it's, it's it's always hard to sort of pick out sort of one um, food producer and and I, and the, the shame it sort of a real shame is in the as much as I get excited about new startups, I keep coming back to this thing. It's incredibly incredibly hard to run a small scale food enterprise, and as and as quickly as new ones are starting up, some existing ones are going out of business. You know, um, all all the time. So that that's that kind of breaks my heart as well. I, I really want to get to the stage where the uh, you know the food hub has sort of reached that critical mass where you you can actually make a difference and sort of make proper steps towards um sort of both creating and then nurturing this um this vibrant local food economy yeah it's it is um i suppose it's a place for very passionate people where they've dedicated themselves to create these enterprises and a big part of starting any business is the marketing side of it. So even if you're just offering them this um, higher profile and this route to market to, to local consumers, then then that's a big step up from having to, to sort of do all of that from scratch themselves. Because that's mm. one of the... One of the challenges is if you are busy producing and you're wearing all these different hats already and you're working all hours, there's just no hours left to think about, well, how do I tell people that I've got this available for sale and how do I reach them and take it to the market at the weekend? So, so you're doing this kind of uh, this service, I suppose, that works really, really nicely for those those smaller scale farms. Do you also have larger producers involved? We we do have larger producers. I think it is necessary to um, to have the larger producers in the mix in order to be able to, you know, if if, if we if we only dealt with local small scale artisanal producers, you know, there there wouldn't be there wouldn't be the volume of food to do it and then you know there'd be a fairly sort of scattered sort of range of things and uh you know when you're let's say um approaching a, a sort of a local retail outlet and you're sort of saying you know you need to or would you, would you like to sort of have access to some lovely local things you know that you need to be able to present them with a with a, a range um as you would talk I wanted to sort of reflect on sort of a point that you were making because you're absolutely right. A, a big part of the premise of the food hub is just to say that if, if you're if you're passionate about making jam, then that's what we want you to spend your time doing. We want you to be making jam sort of um, you know seven in the morning till ten at night and and sort of just doing doing what you love doing and doing what you do best and you know if if you're sort of not so interested in you know invoicing and you know delivering things or marketing or, or all, all the other sort of bits that are 
necessary when you're running a small business. That that's those are really the the, the tasks that the food hub um, is there to provide for the smaller scale producer. Um, so one of the, one of the reasons why small small food enterprises are so few and so few and far between. Um, so let, let's let's talk about the the mushroom the, the mushroom startup that I previously mentioned. Now, in in order to make that uh, sort of a viable business, if if say there's a a farm shop that um, that wants to stock their mushrooms, then then they have to take responsibility of getting those mushrooms to the farm shop. Um, and so the the types of farm shops that uh, you know, like likely to stop them. Let, let's say they 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 might take uh, twenty punnets of mush, you know, mixed mushrooms, and and let let's say let's say it's about uh, the mm, five miles between the, the mushroom farm and the farm shop. So so those mushroom producers are going to have to um, maybe take a, an hour. You know, take take about an hour, and they've got ten miles worth of delivery. So, so a, a small, you know, even a small average family car has got running costs of, you know, these days probably about fifty p a mile. So, you know, you've got five quid in transportation, and you know, if they, uh, you know, a real living wage rate of pay for the hour that it takes. You know, then you're you're looking at around. 17, 18 pounds worth of costs to deliver 20 punnets of mushrooms. Um, so you can soon begin to see why, you know, that, that just simply isn't economically viable to run a business like that. So with, with the food hub, it, you say, you know, what might it mean to those mushroom producers if they were able to get their mushrooms to the farm shop, receive exactly the same amount of money, but incur none of the costs of getting them there? You know, that might just be the difference between viability of the business and otherwise. And that's exactly what the Food Hub is able to do. I'll be here an awful lot longer if I go into the more intricate details of our revenue model and how we actually accomplish that. But just take, take my word for it. We're able to do that for the mushroom producers or the jam producers. Um, and yeah, we, we, we get them from where they need to be to to the uh, to the retailer or the end user, and it doesn't cost a penny for the small produ small food producer. Yeah, which is, um, I mean, it just sounds incredible, really, in terms of what you're offering to the smaller producers, and also to the farm shops because they must have um, a greater array of products that they can offer more readily, mm. um, which in turn sort of it's it's good for local business in that way too. Yes, yeah, the, the value offering to the uh, to, to to the buyers in this situation is uh, in some ways they benefit from direct trade, which means there's a, there's there's a cost saving right there because they you know they're able to buy from less than they would through a sort of a, a wholesaler that would add a profit margin, um, but also it's yeah it's having access to, in my opinion, you know the most desirable food products. You know what could be more desirable than that? lovely punnet of mushrooms or some locally produced jam you know if you're a farm shop that's exactly what you want to have on your shelf um and the the, the third part of the value offering is to be able to demonstrate to your customers that you're buying through a very sustainable supply chain yeah yeah it it, it makes huge sense so with the hub you are predominantly serving business to business and you're giving those small producers access to those farm shops, the local restaurants, do you take that up to sort of public procurement and supplying schools or is, is there particular decisions that you've made on what the customers look like? No, that's, that's definitely the, uh, the end goal. But it's, uh, but, and it's, you know, from the outset, it's been one of the, one of the objectives, but it's, it's also an incredibly that's uh, that's a hard nut to crack, and you know it's it's not through not uh, not through lack of trying. Um, I mean, we, we 
we are working with a couple of the um, the colleges in in Cambridge in in a very sort of like small um, sort of foot in the door kind of way. But hopefully that's something that that we'll be able to build. But you know it has you know long been identified that you know public procurement is the um, is is going to have well, once you've once you've cracked that particular one, it will have enormous impact um, in t in terms of our our food system. Yes. So de definitely, that that is that is very much an aspiration. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you you mentioned earlier on that this is almost something that doesn't exist quite yet in terms of the concept and the vision of what the potential of it could become. But you have been doing it for a number of years now, very successfully in Cambridge, and you can quite clearly see the opportunities and the expansion. That comes from that, but I'm wondering just how specific the opportunities are to a given location. So we are in Lincolnshire discussing the potential with various businesses, and you've actually, I, I believe, visited and um, done a review yourself of the potential of things here in Lincoln. I I wonder if you could sort of highlight to people if they're in other locations, what would be a good starting point? What's a good grounding and foundation for building hubs and, and that sort of encouraging the relationships that are necessary? Well, really the, the foundation for it all is of course production. Production is, is everything, you know, you, you've got to, so, so the, the first thing that I'd say is, you know, nurture your local producers, you know, re reach out to the ones that are already there and um and sort of sh show them that you know uh, a sort of a local route to market is is going to work for them um i i hasten to add that i i think lincoln has got amazing potential to for setting up a, a really top-notch local food ecosystem because it is such a productive part of the country i'm, I'm envious of you living <laughs> Where you do, and and you know, I when, when I when I did come up to Lincoln, um, I, I you know I I, I I left on on something of a high because not not only have you got the you know not only are you surrounded by fantastically productive land, but the 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 practitioners that you have in the area, the people that I met were themselves you know really passionate about what they did, and you know seemed really. You know, really up for it you know they, they when the question was asked you know do you want to set up a local food ecosystem in lincolnshire it's like everybody's hand went into the air and, um so so there's there's there's, a, there's an amazing attitude um among the among the members of the lincolnshire local food ecosystem you've got amazing potential and yeah and and i, I think you've also got you know people that have got the drive to see it happen so i just really hope that but of course you know you, you're talking about you know really sort of like forward thinking reforming the, the food supply chain it's it, it takes more than you know goodwill and um sort of enthusiasm it's, so I, I really hope that um you know that the people who are trying to make things in lincoln do get the support that they need from local authorities you know the the, the in, in fairness um you know the city of lincoln uh council you know also seemed very supportive of it it's to, you know where where do the resources to make these things happen come from you know so it's, it's probably sort of higher up the uh you know higher, higher sort of governmental level that that resource needs to come from but yeah there's such incredible such incredible potential in and around Lincoln, I really hope um, something comes of the good work that has already started there. Definitely, yeah, yeah, it is uh, absolutely filled with with a lot of passion for for growing and different small businesses that could definitely come together and build something. So yeah, we're we're hopeful, and I think that a big aspect of it comes down to logistics it's very much a sort of joining the dots and, and making things work on that level so we've probably got our own unique challenges with that to to address but yeah getting 
getting that support and there's something about the uniqueness of coming together as opposed to sort of working on your business it, with your own team. Actually, sort of that collaboration across businesses that um, I, I'm, I'm wondering where, where you started the thinking with that. Was there a few businesses that knew one another and um, you thought you could see those relationships already forming? Yeah, so I, mean, I, I guess the fact that, you know, as the Cambridge Organic Food Company, the box scheme side of the business, because that is very well established, you know, it, it'd been already going for 20 years um, by the time the food hub started trading, you, you know, a lot of those trading relationships were already well established. Um, there was already uh, like an established sort of revenue stream. So, yeah, so so, so we, we weren't sort of entirely starting from scratch, as it were. Um, so, and, and yeah, it's... Starting anything from complete scratch is, is always that little bit more challenging. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's. I think um, there's so much potential and I love that you've taken the time to write your book because that offers people a lot of insights that that they can reflect on and, and see, see the value of this um, from many different points of view. Are there any other resources that you'd like to share with people if they're interested in learning more? um yeah so so there's there is sort of a, a lot of good quality research being done into um into sort of food hubs and the role that they might play in the future so so people could look to institutions like um the center for food policy at um at that city university in london um or the um the Centre for Agroecology, Water and Resilience, or CAWR, which is based, which is part of uh, Coventry University. Those, those are two sort of academic institutions that um, people people could sort of turn to. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd say the yeah sustain the. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the organisation Sustain is, is a, good, a good resource to sort of call upon, see what research they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. It's, it's interesting how many um, how, how many organisations are sort of looking into the potential of, of these kind of models. It, there's clearly a need. There's clearly something something in it that's got a huge potential. So. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing everything today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's been a, a pleasure sort of meeting you and having this. Uh, I don't think I've ever done a podcast quite like this before. So it's uh, yeah, been, my, been my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. And thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Carbon. New episodes are added every other Tuesday. So don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date. It's a huge help to the show if you'd like to add a thumbs up or a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And let's keep figuring this all out together.